Hello, Bill. Hello, Winnie. You want to make a podcast? Sure. Welcome back to the Winnie and Bill Chat Podcast. Yeah, welcome back. Um, the way this works is that each week I will post 10 photographs on our Instagram account, which is Quiet Shutter Photo. And uh, Bill will have a look at them and he'll describe the pictures and we'll talk about the backstory. We want to thank Anchor Podcasting Platform for uh, sponsoring our podcast today. They are a free podcasting platform. Anybody who wants to make a podcast can go to anchor.fm and uh, make a podcast. If we can do it, you can do it. Just the heads up today's episode has one little spot with some off-color language, so just be aware of that. Okay, so let's get started. Our first picture, do you want to describe it, Bill? Oh, yeah. So this first picture is actually a herd of bison that we came upon um, early in the morning. They've got frost all over their faces and steam coming out of their nostrils and their bodies were getting hit by the sunlight. So there was steam coming up off their bodies as well. Sun's just coming up. Um, there's a big bend in the road and you can see bison going around the curve for quite a long while. There was probably 50 or more bison in this group that we saw early in the morning. So I'm calling this we this episode of our podcast, The Tetons. Um, this picture was uh, when we were heading down to the Tetons. We were out in Montana visiting our daughter, and she joined us for an overnight trip down to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And uh, we drove down through Yellowstone National Park to get there. And as we entered the park through the west entrance, one of us said, oh, I hope we can see a herd of bison with frost on them and steam coming out of their nose. And it probably wasn't three minutes later that we had a herd of bison with frost on their back and steam coming out of their nose. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, Winnie and I uh, have kind of made this crazy uh, uh, tradition, if you want to say, and when we go out taking pictures, we'll often say, today my dream shot would be this or whatever it is. And this was our dream shot in the morning. And like when he said, probably few few minutes into our travels, all of a sudden we came upon our dream shot and it was pretty spectacular. There was probably six cars on the road with us that morning. It was pretty early. And when you come across a herd of bison coming at you on a road in Yellowstone, you have no choice but to pull over and wait for them to go by. You're on you're on their time at that point. Um, it was um, cold and it was super quiet except for the sound of the bison hoofs uh, clomping down the down the road, and you could hear them snorting and uh, breathing and making little grunts to each other or to themselves. And the only other sounds you could hear were the snapping of camera shutters out everybody's window as um, we got pictures of this going by. Everybody was super excited. They were throwing the thumbs up to each other and. If you're familiar with the sound of cattle make, this is pretty, 
pretty crazy the moans and groans and grunts that they do amongst each other they definitely talk to each other quite a little bit uh, the uh, a lot of the photographers that we were around were all giving each other a thumbs up and big smiles all the way around it was pretty thrilling for everybody that was there the bison don't care if you're on the side of the road either they just they'll walk past you and sometimes even brush up against the side of your car you're in their territory and and they don't they don't care um they are wild animals, though, and you have to be very careful around um, any wild animal anywhere. But the bison in particular are pretty ornery. Our daughter worked in Yellowstone um, for a summer, and she learned very early on that you got to be careful. You got to give them their space and never look them in the eye. Now you don't want to make them mad because they can make a mess of a car in a hurry. So let's go to the next picture. Can you describe that, Bill? Uh, the next picture is, uh, is, is my daughter Lauren and I standing up on this bluff that overlooks a plateau. Um, it's actually a plateau overlooking a big flat um, area called Antelope Flats. It's north of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and it's a huge flat land of sagebrush where a lot of animals graze and stuff. And uh, in the back of the picture is actually the Teton mountain range. Um, there was snow on the Tetons. Um, there are most of the year actually way up on the peaks of the snow. But this particular picture is the three um, largest peaks in the Teton mountain range. You have the South Peak, the Middle, and the Grand Teton. So the, the Teton mountain range is actually part of the Rocky Mountains. Um, it's about a 40 mile uh, range. Um, the elevation, the tallest elevation is 1,300 and 1,770 feet. Um, the Tetons got their names. I don't think that Bill knows this piece of trivia, but the Tetons were named by French trappers. Um, the three peaks that Bill mentioned, the South, Middle, and Grand Teton, um, the word Tetons means three breasts. Freak of nature. <laughs> and the Grand Teton, the tallest one, literally that means the big tit. Well, that explains a couple, maybe three things. <laughs> All right, going to the next picture. The next picture is actually a picture of um, a homestead um, that was in that flat, antelope flat area. Um, it's like a orangey salmon colored um, and the, the structure almost looks like a stucco siding, um, which is odd for the late 1800s when it was built. Um, the Tetons mountains are in behind the, the uh, actual house itself. And there's a little outbuilding next to the house, actually a couple of outbuildings there that probably had animals or something in them at one time. But um, the mountain range, is looks to be fairly close, but it's actually probably about three, maybe even four miles away. It's just they are massive mountains, and uh, the the Grand Teton point that you can see in this particular picture is actually look like it's creating its own cloud. The sun was actually hitting it and melting some of the snow off of the east face of the mountain, and uh, it was actually creating its own uh, fog bank that was coming off of there. 
you know you're a big deal when you create your own weather. So the homestead that Bill is talking about describing in this picture is part of a string of homesteads and barns that is known as Mormon Row. In the um, late 1800s, early 1900s, a group of Mormons uh, migrated from Idaho to the Jackson um, Valley area where they set up homes and farms and um, and lived with a spectacular view of the Tetons in their backyard. Although when we're there, I'm always amazed that they were able to scratch out a living there because it's pretty rugged territory and there are herds of bison and there's always warnings about grizzly bears in the area. And it must have been a pretty vicarious place to live. And I'm sure there was more there then than there are now. The house is uh, sort of a salmon pink color, and there's a story that goes behind that. The people who owned this little homestead were named John and Bartha Moulton. And uh, Bartha was in the hospital, and John thought that it would be very nice to have the house freshly painted for Bartha when she got home. She'd been after him to paint the house, and so he thought this would be a great time to do it. And uh, when she got home from being in the hospital and saw the salmon pink house, she despised the color, but she was so taken by the sentiment and the effort that her husband had put into it that she never made him change it. Guess he lucked out on that one. Does that sound like something you would do? I'm sure I would. <laughs> I'm sure you would have loved the salmon color. I think I would have made you change it. <laughs> I know you would. <laughs> All right, the next picture. So the next picture we're looking at is actually uh, another barn in that same area. Um, Winnie's laying on the ground in the foreground of this picture, taking a different angle at uh, the barn and the mountains in behind it. Um, there's a bunch of holes all the way around where she's laying. And those are actually from ground squirrels. And they're crazy little. It's almost like a whack-a-mole game. The things are all over the place and they pop in and out of these holes. They've got quite a, a uh, tunnel system going on around there and you really got to watch where you're walking when you're in that area because it's easy to step into one of those things. The barn um, is almost, it's kind of an iconic look of the barns out in that area. You see a lot of them with this particular roof that is kind of points up really almost an A-frame looking uh, structure um, and all of the there this one was actually made with some logs and uh, a little bit of flat wood but it the logs were actually vertical instead of horizontal in some areas um, but I think they just used whatever they had around them to make these barns but they really held up um, this barn is over 100 years old and uh, the Tetons are in this picture as well um, there's there's a the Teton string goes on for about 50 miles, so you can take a lot of pictures with barns in them. Bill mentioned the squirrel holes, and there, when you're walking around this area, you really do have to be careful that you don't step in a squirrel hole and twist your ankle. I'm sure if anybody had come by when I was laying on the ground taking pictures, they probably would have assumed that I'd fallen. All right, the next picture. Well, this next picture was actually taken at night. Um, it has the Teton Mountains in the foreground, and um, it's actually moonlight that's lighting it up. Um, 
And in the sky is these streaks of light, which are actually the stars, and it's what's called um, star trails. And when you take uh, night photography and do long exposures um, to capture this movement, the stars are actually um, moving a little bit as the Earth spins. And if you are able to do a one-hour exposure, you get a a complete circle of these star trails in a picture. So this picture is is really a failed picture. It's it's a little bit blurry and it's not what we were going after. We wanted a full circle, full star trail circle picture. Um, and we had planned this out ahead of time. We were going to head over to the Molten Barn and set up at dark and do a one hour long exposure photo with the barn in the foreground and the Tetons in the background and the circle star trails. So we headed out there at dark and we parked in the parking lot and hiked in, being careful not to step in squirrel holes. And we got the camera set up and we got the, we got it all configured to do a one hour long exposure um, photo. And then we headed back to our car because, you know, there are bison and there are grizzly bears and other dangers. And we didn't want to stand out in the complete dark for an hour. And we went back, sat in our car and the three of us listened to podcasts and visited and tried not to fall asleep. And an hour can take a very long time when you're waiting and waiting for something to happen. Trying to kill time. So once the hour was up, we jumped out of the car and went back to retrieve the camera only to discover that the camera battery had gone dead probably three minutes into taking the picture. So it didn't turn out. Yeah, that was a complete fail on our part. It was a fail. So not every photo we take turns out. Um, so we were frustrated, a little bit frustrated, but we also laughed at ourselves and Lauren had a good laugh at us. Yeah, she enjoyed our frustration more than we did, I think. <laughs> so we headed back to town, to our hotel, but uh, as we were driving back in, we noticed the moonlight just hitting the mountains just right. And so we found a little spot to pull off on the side of the road and we set up and took, I don't know if this was a 10 minute photo, but a 10 minute long exposure. But we didn't we didn't nail the um, the sharpness, the focus. So it's a little bit soft and it's not a great picture, but it does bring back that that memory. And you're mentioning the moonlight in this picture. That was other part of the, the whole aspect of doing that picture. When we did, we looked at the weather forecast and the moon was supposed to come out around midnight. So we went out ahead of that because we needed total darkness to get a really good star trail picture. And this was after the moon had come up and it was too late to really get a good picture anyways. So this next picture is actually another barn in the, the same area. This is actually the barn we had tried to photograph the night before with stars and failed. Yeah, the uh, lots of sagebrush all the way around, um, some cool fencing, and um, a really nice big string of the Teton mountain range in, the, in, in behind it. This actually was taken early in the morning. The sky has a lot of pink and blue in it. Uh, and that's morning sunlight as it was coming up um, just as day was breaking. We've been um, to this area before and tried to take sunset pictures. And we've realized that when you're taking pictures of mountains, uh, first light, morning light is actually better when you get the sun reflecting on the mountain and you get the nice 
morning um, sky. So we set our alarms to get up super early and get out there before the sun came up. Uh, Lauren elected to stay back in the hotel and sleep in. So it was just Bill and I. We got there. It was still pitch black outside and we got our equipment and started to hike in and set up in front of the barn. And um, a voice from the wilderness. You're in my shot. Evidently, there was another photographer there. We didn't see his car or anything, but he was set up further out in the sagebrush area. And he did not like us setting up in front of him where we would be in his shot. And he wasn't very kind about telling us we needed to move. No. As a matter of fact, in this picture, on the right-hand side of the picture, there's a big um, popple tree there. At one point, we moved over where we thought we must be out of his shot. And he said, you got to go beyond the tree. You're still in my shot. So we went to plan B. We got a different camera lens than what we had planned on using. And we hiked out a little further into the sagebrush where we wouldn't be in this fella's shot and set up for the morning um, morning light. And um, it didn't it didn't disappoint us as the sun started to come up. Um, the sky started to turn pink and purple. And then and then along came a busload of amateur photographers and all of their clinky equipment and an instructor that were on a photography field trip. And it was quite chaotic and quite humorous for Winnie and I because. Yeah, the people, it was actually two vans of um, a photography workshop and they parked and they started to hike in just like Bill and I had. And the path takes you directly in front of the barn. And so there was probably 15 or 16 people with an instructor and all of their equipment. And they were, um, some of them clearly didn't necessarily know what they were doing. And the instructor was having to help them set up their tripods and get their cameras on. And the grumpy photographer just went ballistic yelling at them that they were in his shot, that they needed to move, that they shouldn't be there. Hurry up, hurry up. You're going to miss and screw it up for everybody. And it, and the sun was, you know, the sun was rising rapidly. And um, the I loved how the photography workshop instructor handled it. He just gave it right back to the grumpy photographer and told him that he didn't own that space. And he had no right to tell people where they needed to set up or not set up. And so he uh, very kindly went around and helped all of his students get set up and helped them get going. And then he took his tripod and camera and set up right beside the grumpy photographer. <laughs> and then he continued to tell him how he did not own any of that property around there. And he had no business to tell anybody what to do. We, we were just chuckling and enjoying the whole ordeal. <laughs> it was quite entertaining. So when we got done, we um, instead of hiking back to the path, we kind of hiked back through the sagebrush out to the road to get back to our car. Um, but I did manage in this next picture, Bill can describe it. The next it. picture is actually a, a picture of the whole string of photographers that were spread out across the area that were they were taking pictures. On the, uh, on the left side of this picture, you can actually see the popple tree that I was talking about. And... Um, it that they're strung out over probably almost a quarter of a mile. They were um, there was a lot of photographers that were were setting up, and there not all of them were in this picture either. But you can tell there was quite a crew of people there that were all trying to do the same thing as we were trying to do. 
if you look up on the internet, what is the most photographed barn? Um, this barn is what comes up. This is the most photographed barn in the world. So I don't know why any photographer would think that he could have the place to himself to get pictures because it's just usually swarming with photographers and you just kind of have to work with it. Yeah, even when we went out there at night to take star trails, there were other photographers then there at 11 o'clock at night. Right. So so we hiked back to our car and then we started to head back into town when Bill spotted. This next picture is actually a picture of a, a cow moose and her calf that uh, we spotted. And um, there's also a bull in behind these two that uh, I didn't initially see, but when I started taking a few pictures, I was like, wait a minute, there's another one there. So this, as I said, we're this was October. Um, in this picture, you can see the aspen have turned to their golden yellow in the background. And But this is the time of year when moose are in rut. So um, this was very unusual to see a cow with her calf and a bull together. They don't usually hang out together like that in a family unit or anything. But um, so this cow, this, this cow was being very protective of her calf, but the bull was being very protective of his cow. So this, um, although a wonderful photography um, opportunity, was also kind of a dangerous opportunity. Yeah, you have to be careful. They say uh, in the national parks, they have a standing rule of never get closer than 50 yards from any animals at all. And the moose and bison in particular, uh, you really got to be really careful about. Um, a lot of people would say that the moose are, can be even more dangerous than the bear out there. So um, I was proceeding cautiously. Um, this isn't the greatest picture. There was actually shooting through some grass that was sticking up. So there's some little flares here and there that's not all that sharp but um, this whole area was full of sagebrush and stuff and it's really hard to walk around in, in sagebrush when you're dragging a tripod and everything because there's a lot of roots and there's there was a bunch of ground squirrel holes in there as well um, but the um, the cow and calf eventually went off and kind of disappeared for a little while and uh, we started to uh, just see the bull just kind of came up towards me a little bit. So I got a chance to get a few shots of him. And when Bill says we, he is now not talking about he and I. Um, I stayed in the car, but Bill bravely got out of the car and tried to get a little bit closer to the, to the moose. There was one other photographer who was also doing the same thing. So I think Bill's referring to we him and the other photographer. Yes, this next picture is actually uh, one of the pictures that I got of this bull. He was uh, had been in this willow little tangle and he was rattling his horns around and stuff and he kind of stuck his head out of the brush a little bit and I got a good shot. And just as I took um, a few pictures, all of a sudden the sun came around and hit his face and really lit up his uh, the front end of his body. Um, in this picture, the sun is hitting his um, horns and uh, really gives you some detail of uh, how much texture there is in those horns. The, uh, the horns themselves were probably four foot wide. This was a big guy. So um, 
tell them what happened to you and the other photographer as you got inched a little closer to this moose family. Well, the bull eventually turned and trotted off to, to find out where the cow was at. And uh, we didn't realize until we snuck around a little bit where we saw the cow go. There was this little dry riverbed that they had gone down into. So the gentleman that I was with said, I'm going to go around here and see if I can spot them. And uh, so he did. And we were uh, a little bit separated. And I was just trying to keeping an eye out to see if, if uh, they were going to reappear where we were at. And he spotted the cow and, and calf and kind of signaled for me to come over to him. And he was right on the edge of this little gravelly um, bank that dropped down into this dry riverbed. And just as I was getting close to him, all of a sudden he spun and said, she's coming out. And so I um, kind of started to move away and, and noticed that he slipped and he was, I leached just out of re, re, reflex, really grabbed him by the back of the neck and pulled him up out of the gravel that he was falling down. And uh, after we caught our wits, he, he looked at me and went, oh, my God, you saved my life. But I think what he meant was, thank God you saved my camera equipment. <laughs> when Bill was, as they snuck a little closer to the moose, I no longer, I was sitting in the car and I could no longer see them, which made me a little bit nervous. So when I did see Bill and the other photographer again, they were running out of the woods. It was comical if it wasn't so dangerous. It was comical when you weren't the one running. Exactly. This is our last picture, I think. Yeah, and this picture is actually a reflection picture that we got um, of the Snake River. Uh, it's actually closer to the actual mountain range itself. Um, in the foreground, you can actually see a reflection of the evergreen trees that are along the riverbed and the, um, the mountain reflection on the water itself. It was kind of a calm, crisp day, but it was a really beautiful place to be down on the, on the Snake River just north of Jackson Hole. We kind of sought this particular spot out on purpose. Um, I follow a, a young guy on Instagram who lives in Jackson Hole, and he had been getting all kinds of amazing photos of bull moose down in the Snake River. So Bill and I pulled up uh, one of his pictures and drove out of town um, through Antelope Flats area until we found the exact view of the mountain that we thought was the spot where he'd been getting these pictures. So. Uh, we parked and we hiked down to the Snake River and we never did see any moose. We saw signs of moose. We saw moose poop and we saw uh, moose tracks, but we never saw moose. But the the experience was wonderful because the, the view of the Tetons reflecting in the Snake River was amazing. So we've decided that we will end our podcast from now on talking about the picture we missed. And in this case, the picture we missed was moose in the Snake River. Um, we stayed as long as we could in that in that location that day, but we had to drive back to Big Sky from Jackson Hole, which is about a three, two and a half, three hour drive. Yeah. Um, the road through Yellowstone, which is a shortcut, was closed for the season. So we had to drive through the Teton Pass and through Idaho and back up to uh, Big Sky, Montana. So we had to leave and get going. Um, and when we got back to Lauren's house and had had our dinner, I uh, pulled up my Instagram and 
saw that that young kid had an hour after we'd been there, had been out to that very spot and got a photo, an amazing photo of three big bulls standing in the middle of the river uh, with the reflection of the Tetons and the Tetons in the background. So that was our picture that we missed on that trip. Yeah, not one, not two, but three gorgeous moose. Go figure. Maybe next time. We know where you live, Moose. We're coming to get you. <laughs> so thank you for tuning in to our fourth episode of the Winnie and Bill Chat podcast on Anchor Podcasting platform. Uh, we hope that you'll join us next week, uh, but goodbye for now. Thanks for checking in. Have a great day.